Shalom. Welcome to the Christchurch Jerusalem Bible Study, where we wrestle with God's Word. For more information on the church, to listen to sermons, to contact us, or to make a gift, visit ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Welcome, brothers and sisters, to Christchurch Jerusalem. We are in our Wednesday night Bible study, studying Galatians, currently up to chapter 3. And uh, we delight to be in your presence as well, with you guys listening, as well as our souls getting together as brothers and sisters around the Word of God. Uh, we know that the Spirit is present. We acknowledge that the King is in the room in a tradition of prayer. So, Brother Neville, could you begin us uh, in prayer? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us in so many ways, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity to gather around your word. And Lord, we pray that you'd honor us by your spirit and meet us in our need. This evening we pray. Amen. Amen. As is our tradition, we read the uh, last week's discussion just to keep ourselves in, in background and continuity. And these also notes go up online and they'll be attached to the correct study. So last week we got through Galatians 2, 15 to 21. So we had the clash of two uh, apostles, Peter and Paul. Paul. Paul begins his challenge of Peter's hypocrisy by saying, we who are Jews by birth, dot, dot, who know that, dot, dot. The primary comparison is between Jews and Gentiles. We who are Jews by birth. So the primary comparison is between Jews and Gentiles as a matter of nature, that is, by birth. And it is not between a matter of knowing. If the focus was on knowing, then this would lead us very close to Gnosticism. Jews are not sinners, which is the natural state of Gentiles, who have no natural relationship with God, nor knowledge of him. How is this possible? because the Torah was given to Israel. Paul in Romans spends more time reflecting on the advantages of the Jewish people. So if people would like to uh, go and read his understanding of the advantage of being Jewish, then read Romans 3, 9, 10, and 11. Interestingly, it is these very advantages that make hypocrisy a great danger. We must remember to keep the text within its context, and the context is the false gospel, which is not that Jesus is not the Messiah, and it is the, in the context of boundary relationships between Jews and Gentiles in the new community. Whenever we talk about an issue, we can run with it, we can go discuss it on all kinds of levels, but never take it away from its context. Paul knows, as does Peter, that their status before God is not determined by observance, but by the faithfulness of the Messiah. Despite being Jewish, both Peter and Paul cannot perform God's will by nature. The sacred history of the Jewish people records that the Mosaic Covenant was broken many times, not by God, who always remained faithful, 
but by Israel. Even the first generation receiving the covenant did not enter the land of Canaan. Possession of the Torah did not in any way guarantee its performance. The broken covenant is why a new covenant is required for the house of Israel and the nations. There is a difference between covenant and Torah. While the covenant may include the Torah, what is broken is the covenant and not the Torah. Jewish interpretation and understanding of the Torah is varied and is not homogenous. There were, and are to this day, many opinions regarding every aspect of the Torah. Just as there are many varied opinions and interpretations on the Torah and its application in the many Christian denominations that we have today. Paul reminds Peter that Jewish people, as well as Gentiles, are not justified by the works of the law. The word law is the Greek word nomos, and it was the word that the Septuagint translators of the Hebrew Bible used in place of Torah. The word arrived to the Greek language in Athens around 600 BC. It was used to encompass conventional law and customs, and it was later amended to include moral law by Plato. The word nomos does not solely refer to set physical laws. To think of it in this way is, is reductionist and completely against the intention and understanding of the Septuagint translators. Jewish customs, Jewish traditions, and Jewish laws are different things that can be wrapped up in the same word. Care must be taken when discerning which aspect of nomos is the word nomos referring to, and the context should not ever be removed from the equation. The word justification has by many commentators been read solely through the lens of a courtroom phrase. Justification should not be read as salvation or sanctification. Although they are all related, they do not hold the same meaning. In being justified, Something has been rectified or put right in every sense of the word and not only limit to, limited to or reduced to courtroom drama. Psalm 43 verse 2 reflects the understanding that no one is righteous before the Lord. Let's remind ourselves that the people praying this psalm are in the possession of the Torah. The shortcomings of Torah study as the only way to know and perform God's will, are already apparent. That's 3,000 years ago from now, 1,000 years ago from the time of Paul and Peter. Paul and Peter already know this too. Paul joins the term justified with the phrase works of the Torah. And prior to the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls, this phrase was thought to be an invention of Paul. However, 
4QMMT, known as the Halakhic letter, reveals the phrase Ma'asei HaTorah, the works of the law, to be in existence an entire generation prior to Jesus. Paul could easily and clearly have written, no one is justified by the law, which would have had the same meaning and intention as Psalm 43 verse 2. Paul would then have been reiterating the conclusion to the matter decided 1,000 years ago at the time of King David. However, that is not what he said. We now examine the meaning of the phrase works of the Torah, works of the law. In the context of the Dead Sea Scrolls, the phrase works of the law refers to particular deeds of the law that separated the Qumran community from other Jews and Gentiles. Highlights included Sabbath observance, food and dietary habits, and circumcision. While the connection of Paul's use of the phrase with the Dead Sea community is not certain by any stretch of the imagination, the context is the same. Paul is not referring to the whole law, but practical portions of the Torah that set ethnic boundary markers. For example, honoring your parents is not a work of the Torah. Believing in only one God is not a work of the law. Believing in the Messiah is not a work of the law. Paul is arguing that Gentiles neither come to the Messiah nor stay in the Messiah through the practical boundary markers that are associated through any interpretation identified as the works of the law. To proclaim that they do is the false gospel, and it is not the truth of the gospel. Paul reminds Peter that Jewish people likewise are justified, put right in every sense of the word, through faith in the Messiah. The Dead Sea Scroll community called the Pharisees builders of the wall. Paul, in verse 18, seeks not to rebuild any wall of separation between Jews and Gentiles and the Messiah. The hypocrisy of Peter is that his actions are indeed rebuilding the wall of separation. Remember the context. Does Peter think that by not eating with Gentiles, that all of a sudden those Gentiles no longer believe that Jesus to be the Messiah? Or Barnabas, the spirit-filled prophet from Antioch, now thinks that the Galatians are not in possession of the Holy Spirit? Peter is not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. Both Peter and the Galatian Gentiles are still saved, but through Peter's actions, he is demonstrating that he thinks not all have been justified, rectified, and made right between them as equal members of the body of the Messiah. Paul concludes his argument by saying that the life he now lives is a life lived by faith or faithfulness in the Messiah. Everything is rectified through the faithfulness of the Messiah, both for Jews and for Gentiles. And this truth impacts Paul's present-day existence. Now he lived by how he lives and by what he preaches. Possessing the Torah never brought Israel into righteousness with God 
as Psalm 43 declares. But that does not mean that Israel could put the Torah aside or discard it. The Torah has another function, which Paul will explain in the next chapter. All right. So that's a discussion summary on some of our talks from last week. So we will read Galatians chapter 3. And I'm reading from an ESV. Galatians 3. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the spirit, that now you are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law, by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be anyone who does not abide by all the things which are in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promise spirit through faith. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now, the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring, does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterward, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God, so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it is no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now, an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would, in, would indeed be of the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Christ Jesus might be given to those who believe. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then 
the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you're all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, is according to the promise. Okay, so that's one of the more famous chapters and verses of Galatians. We'll see where we're, where we will run with it. So, for a bit of background, the Torah, which includes commandments, the Torah includes commandments, and it also includes sacred history, which reveal covenants. But the Torah isn't a covenant. The Torah reveals covenants. And there are covenants, many covenants, inside the Torah. Some of those covenants actually include the Torah, but not all of them. So there's not just one covenant. The Torah also contains prophetic elements as well as moral and ethical directives that pertain how you live daily life. The Torah also teaches that God will justify, rectify, resolve even the Gentiles. Okay? So that's a bit of a background to what is the Torah. I know that some of our discussions that have been occurring in uh, email chat uh, seem to sometimes miss the idea that the covenant is not the Torah. So sometimes I relate the two together. They are not. Sometimes I include them, but the Torah is not the covenant, okay? All right. So no uh, law, whether it's written on our hearts or written on stone, can give us righteousness. Is that that's Paul's point in this whole chapter? The, the Torah, the, the Bible itself already says through the Psalms that no one is righteous. So even if you possess the Torah, that doesn't mean automatically that you're going to possess righteousness. It doesn't. In fact, the Torah says some very interesting things. And one of our issues within our discussion is sometimes we get confused. What do we really mean by Torah, law, and works of the law? Does that make sense? Right. But anything, any way you slice it, it's not, it's mute to the point of what, gives us righteousness which is paul's point right so in chapter one he starts out this whole galatians talking about the gospel of jesus christ is under threat because boundary issue like you said so and no you're getting confused again sharon the I've, I've already i've already just said it and i've said it a few times now i'll do it again though for you the Torah having possession of the torah doesn't impute any righteousness nor does it automatically mean you're going to actually be able to perform it? How do we know this? Because the, the Jewish people were given the Torah at Mount Sinai and immediately broke it. The covenant was broken so many times by Israel, not by God. But the Torah itself was still something that God had given to the world. This is how I would like you to behave. But it itself does not impute righteousness because who imputes righteousness according to the Torah? Right? This is where you got to remember, or I play around with your little discussion, 
or semantics, God imputes righteousness even right. inside the Torah. And that's how... That's through Christ now, right? So Paul, like Paul, he says to Abraham, right, God accredited to him righteousness. Abraham doesn't get righteous. God imputes righteousness to Abraham. But that is right. inside the Torah. No, Abraham wasn't around with the Torah, though, right? No, but you know, Sharon, Abraham is inside the Torah. The Torah is the books. You've got five of them. You've got it's the Torah isn't six hundred and thirteen laws. That's where the you've got history. The Torah is more than it is sacred history. It is a set of laws. It is prophetic discussion. It is ethical and moral directives. It is all that. So you can't just pick one bit and say that's Aaron, what may I ask a question? May I ask a question, Aaron? Yes. Uh, is it possible to say, I know Torah covers everything, all the five books, from the law to the ways of living to moral codes and all the rest of it. Is it possible to say that the covenant that Israel made, made with the, or the Lord God made with Israel was to follow Torah, all those ways? So in the Mosaic covenant, God gives a Mosaic covenant. He's already given previous covenants. He gives a covenant to the people of Israel to you follow me. I am your God. These are my statutes. I'll give you the land and bless you. So there's a link there. But that one gets broken so many times. But that's not the only covenant that's in the Torah. And the Torah is not dependent on a covenant. Covenants right. are dependent on Torah. There's a difference. Does that make sense? I totally agree, yes. Yeah. So, for example, in Genesis 26, verse 5, okay, we've read it, I don't know how many times on our studies, but we will read it again. In fact, Sharon, why don't you, you read it? Genesis 26, <laughs> verse 5. Genesis 26, 5, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Oh. It starts before that. No, that was the well, verse. Well, his promise starts in verse 5, right? And I will make make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all those lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Hmm. Yeah. So within the Torah, Hallelujah. in the Torah is this very interesting phrase that Abraham kept the Torah. In fact, it actually says it in plural, Torah. And you go, what? How does that work? And, uh, and so it, it's, a, it's a very nuanced word, the word Torah. It's a very nuanced word, nomos, actually. The Septuagint writers probably did a really good thing by, um, by uh, deciding to use that word nomos. Our problem 2,000 years later is we tend to only view it in one way we hear the word exactly. law and we immediately jump to law courts we immediately jump no, to all. judges and and that's actually not fair 
it's it's no, a lot. So I'm not saying anything about the courts or anything, but just using Paul's own words. Like this is this is nothing to do with courts and stuff as far as I'm concerned. It's just trying to understand what Paul himself says. So at the end of our discussion last week, in chapter two, verse twenty one, I do not set aside the grace of God. If righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. So what is he talking about in that verse? Okay. So which verse was that one? So it's chapter two, verse yep. twenty-one, which is yep. the. So I, yeah, I don't nullify the grace through the law. Christ died for nothing. So righteousness does not come through the law. We already know that. Well, no. How do we Jews know that, Sharon? Right. Well, I think that's why Paul wrote the book is because the Jews were getting confused. No, 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 no. Well, I mean, okay. like the Gentiles. The Gentiles. Okay. Yeah. Psalm forty-three. Okay. I, I, it's in the notes. You can read the notes anytime yeah, yeah, you like. Yeah, Psalm yeah. 143 verse 2 says mm -hmm. that no one is righteous before the Lord. Yes? Right. Now, the people who are praying that, what are they in possession of? The Torah. Correct. So they've got the Torah and part of their prayer life is to tell God that no one is righteous. So Paul is 100% correct and not making up anything new when he can already say righteousness doesn't come through the Torah because they've already got the Torah and they're already telling God that they're not righteous. Okay? No one's saying it's new. So Sharon, <laughs> what do they not have? They've so, got the Torah. They have, wait a minute, they have the Torah. They have these ways to worship God and to, to follow what he wants us to do. What do they not have? Christ and they his righteousness. Don't, they don't have salvation. But when they get the salvation, which can only come from God, you then don't get rid of the Torah. You continue in that to create the relationship in a more perfect way. So the salvation is the only thing they're missing. Right. So what book of what books of the Bible do the Galatians have when Paul comes to talk to them about the Messiah? They have, they have Torah. Right. They had the they had the Hebrew Bible. We're not 100 percent sure how much of the Hebrew Bible, because there wasn't actually was a Hebrew Bible as we know it today. There were lots of different books. OK, so when. Uh, Paul comes in and he tells them about the Messiah and they believe in the Messiah. Do they stop reading the Hebrew Bible? I think the bigger issue is that there's secular, unbelieving Jews, right? And then there's believing, uh, you know, believing in the Messiah, in this case, in, in Galatians, Jews. And so the issue was be, became between, no, uh, between Paul, uh, Peter, and these guys, you know, that he's sitting with or not sitting with. And <laughs> Sharon, the issue is not between Jews. No, but in other words, all Jews are automatically, you know, spiritual. They're not automatically in. The issue is between fools and wise men. <laughs> very, yeah, that's very nice. Yeah, the issue in Galatians is between Gentiles and Gentiles. The agitators are yet to be disclosed. The ones in Galatians chapter 2 in Antioch are Jews that come down from Jerusalem. 
but we don't know who the agitators are in Galatians. Right. Galatians, the actual Galatians themselves, are non-Jews. And they are being told that they need to get circumcised and maintain certain dietary laws to be considered as equal partners in the kingdom. This is not the truth of the gospel. This right. is a false gospel. And that's the issue that's being raised. And by, by keep, people keep taking it out of context, we, we go into some very unhelpful places. So, and we must remember, Paul is not saying Torah. He is deliberately using the phrase works of the Torah, works of the law. If he wanted to say law just as the law, if he wanted to say don't read the law, he could have said it, but he doesn't. He constantly references the phrase works of the law. And that's what he's talking about. He, the, the Jewish people already know. And that's why he, he um, challenges Peter so publicly and so abruptly. He says, you already know, Peter, that we're not righteous from the Torah. How do you know that? Because every time we get to pray Psalm 143, we say the same darn thing. We already know that no one is righteous. We already know. But just because you're not righteous before the Lord does not mean you, you, you can't, don't have to, to honor your parents or keep the Shabbat or not lie or murder, right? Just because the guy in front of you failed to keep the Torah or even you yourself broke one of the Ten Commandments doesn't mean you throw them all away immediately. That was not, not the case because righteousness was never imputed by Torah. That actually exactly. comes from God. And that is inside the Torah itself, which is why Paul brings it up. In fact, he begins to quote, he quotes the Torah and he quotes examples from it like Abraham. So he quotes inside the Torah to say, hey, guys, you already know where righteousness comes from. It comes from God. He's obviously learned this now because he was actually sitting on the other side of the fence when he was running around um, knocking people yeah, off. Aaron, may I ask that. a question? Sorry. So, so what, what Paul is in a roundabout fashion driving at here, maybe, is uh, the fact that, you know, these guys have, 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 it, have it in their brains or, or minds that they can actually work towards their, their justification or salvation. Mm -hmm. And that's not the point. Right. The, the point is we can only be justified through faith or belief, yes. obedience. Correct. Now, the issue is a, bound, is a boundary issue. It's not an issue of... Can you or can you not believe in the Messiah? It's you can believe in the Messiah, but if you want to be rectified and justified and made right with God, you got to do these things. And Paul is saying, no, that's not the way it works. Wait, wait which verse are you looking at, Aaron? When you we're say just that? discussing in general. We're not we're not looking at one individual verse. Because chapter one says clearly he started out, and this is actually a discussion of the gospel. So he's saying it's fundamentally understanding the gospel. And that, in fact, those guys, like you said before, we talked about it, that they're hip hip hypocrites when they don't, you know, when Peter, you know, having the problems there. So in doing that, they're undermining the gospel. Yes. What is the gospel? Right. First he, Corinthians 15. 
tried raising my hand, but that didn't work. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Go, Rocky. You have the floor. Well, in my new understanding of Paul, he is talking about the Judaizers coming in with their oral rules, the fence that they built around Torah, which was not allowed, and they're pushing that agenda on the Gentiles. Yeah, well done. It's roughly, roughly what's happening. Now, that occurred in Antioch, but we're not sure what's occurring in Galatians. This is like chapter 2 talks about Peter in Antioch and some Jews from Jerusalem who are the believers. They're believers, although Aria would say that they're not. Okay, And he's allowed to say that. Um, I would say that they, they are believers in the Messiah, Jesus. They've just got some really weird practices and doctrines. Okay, Believing in the Messiah is not, is not dependent on right doctrine. Because if that's true, we'll all have to try and figure out which denomination we should be in. Because obviously there's only one right one. But that's not true so not denomination but with yeah absolutely no his whole point in the whole book is that yeah the absolutely understanding is crucial and key to the whole discussion correct and, and they already know that faith, so, so right at the time there there is always multiple different ways of interpreting the torah the jewish people are not a homogenous group neither are christians and so um the, a group of of, of, of uh, people who are described as the men of James or the party of the Pharisees, whatever, come from Jerusalem to Antioch. And Paul challenges Peter in Antioch, where Paul had been a teacher there for several years with Barnabas. The issue in Galatians is that somebody has stirred up trouble using the oral traditions or the works of the law not the Torah itself, the works of the Torah, to um, attempt to get uh, to tell Gentiles, this is how you get justified. This is how you become equal to us as Jews in the kingdom of heaven. And what Paul is saying is that's just not true, is God loves Jews and God loves Gentiles. And I'll prove it to you by even quoting Torah. Okay. And so he is already, he's already saying righteousness is imputed by God. It does not come from the Torah, as we've already discussed in Psalm 143. The words righteousness and salvation, while they have parallels, they are not the same word. We are not talking about being saved by Jesus. We're talking about being justified. There is a difference. And righteousness is another word entirely. Okay, so it's it's. It gets very, it's very convoluted and you try to try and figure out what exactly Paul is saying when he uses the word nomos, which part of this big thing called the Torah is he actually referring to? Is he referring to the oral Torah? Is he referring to the written law? Is he referring to the moral law? Is he referring to the prophetic part of Torah? Is he talking to about the narrative part of Torah? There are so many different ways of talking about it and it's all wrapped in one word. And uh, so one of our issues 2,000 years later is we scratch our head and we go, what, what are you trying to say? That's why don't take it out of context. 
Okay. So, Aaron. Yes, sir. Torah and the covenants before the new covenant never promised everlasting life in front and with and cohabitating with God. They didn't promise that. It was the way God said for you to live while you're here on earth and things will go with you, good with you. Once Yeshua comes, we have a promise of everlasting life with the Father because we are forgiven of sins. But we don't get rid of all the other things that God said. Of course not. We now have the missing yeah. link. It's the missing link. Correct. Right we don't get rid of the other links. No, right absolutely so not. Now, so now we are all... Okay, because so then in our chapter, we just read, so verse 29, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So now we're all one, right? We are in grafted Christ. in, yes. But just because we're right. one doesn't mean that our biological or national or spiritual distinctives become blurred. Yeah. No, it doesn't mean we stop, you know, growing up in Canada or in no. Israel. But, so Sharon, you remain a female. It's how we are justified before God. His That's birth, all. Right? That is correct. That's just that bit. It's the But what the, is justified vis-a-vis -vis salvation? What what that's what he's getting at, no? So just we, we discussed justification last week, and I think Yvonne, you gave us the best uh description of it. You you sort of went on for like two or three sentences. It was absolutely beautiful. It, isn't it just like right now? I mean, there's people that, that teach that we shouldn't keep the Sabbath, that that has been done away with, that now you worship on Sunday, and Constantine changed the Sabbath to Sunday, and well, circumcision, there's, there's a, there's and there's keeping a, Constantine, kosher. Constantine didn't change the Sabbath to Sunday. That was already around before. And the idea of the Sabbath being superseded by a Sunday has that so was many. before? Yeah. So many no, Christians. it was a it was the church fathers after Constantine no, no, they no, decided no, no, no. to change they they, okay, the Bernardo, to Sunday Bernardo, worship. Bernardo, uh, that discussion was alive and well hundreds of years before Constantine. People were discussing which day do you celebrate Pesach, which calendar do you follow, and they were getting confused in all kinds of levels. It's not that they're just one day one guy decided we'll do this. That is a very false reading of history. No, um, I didn't say one guy. It was a meeting in Nicaea. Yeah, they yeah, yeah. But it, but it, but it was already being discussed. And in the time of the temple, which day did you worship God? Every day. Correct. So it, so people worship God on Sunday. I'm talking about naming Sunday the official day of worship of the Roman Catholic Church. It, it doesn't matter which all Christianity day, which, derives yeah. from there. So, but no, that's not true. And they don't even keep the Sunday as a Sabbath. They work, right. they go to but, restaurants. But, that, but, it's not, but it's not true that that, um, that was the official day. Uh, 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 yes, it's true. I can send you uh, the document. Sure. Even, even, even the it was, bishops it was, agreed. It was a debate that was alive and well, and people worship God even today. Some go to church on a Wednesday. Some go to worship on a Saturday night. There's all kinds of different things. Um, we worship on a Sunday, but we have the Shabbat as a complete day of rest. So we, the, the, what's, what's officially said by certain, deno certain denominations are not reminiscent or true of every single denomination. Uh, no, I'm not just talking about the official decree 
done by the papacy. Yeah, and and usually when everything's said by the papacy, how many people actually do what he says? Millions. But a lot of millions Billions. don't. So there's a. So Aaron, uh, why are you keeping the Sabbath if you're not a Jew? Because it's a blessing. Here we go. You know, it's a it's a blessing, Sharon. So my family is blessed when we have a day together. Right, and so that's great, but that's not what is justifying you before God. You don't have. I didn't to say that it was. No, no, I'm not, and that's what I'm agreeing with you totally. And I think that's part of the problem in the Galatians that Paul's clarifying and saying, you know, make sure you don't think any of these things that you do will make you right with God. Yeah, that is, you're right. That is it. But just because now you know that the Sabbath doesn't justify you with God, that doesn't say you shouldn't uh, keep the Sabbath. It was a gift. Correct. Just because you know that not telling a lie justifies you before God doesn't give you the opportunity to not tell a lie. Jesus said day is holy. Correct. Why would you just, throw out what Jesus said is holy? That's You're correct. not going to lose your salvation if you no. never keep a Shabbat. But why yeah. would you throw it out if Jesus said, this is holy to me? Correct. And Jesus said, it's holy. Let's remember that the people who pray, Psalm 143, verse 2, are in possession of the Torah. So they know all the commandments. They know that God says, do this, do this, do this. And then they also know that they can go to, to their prayers and say, no one is righteous. So that doesn't mean that, okay, no one is righteous before God. I shall wrap up the Torah and I shall just put it away. In fact, I will throw it away. I will not give it to my kids so that they don't even pretend to think that they can try and do it. No, but to David's point that, yeah, originally during the Mosaic time, they had to keep the Torah to keep their relationship with God intact. Is that is No, that that's not true. The exactly. relationship with God is based on a covenant, the covenant, which is like the, the, the children of Israel broke the covenant right before Moses even got down the mountain. Right. Right. So what does God do? Well, he was going to kill them. Right. So again, writes the yeah. Torah again. Right. Okay. But what does he do? Does he feed them with manna the next day? He does. Still take does he, does he let their clothes wear out? No. Does he stop guiding them through the wilderness? No. Does he, does he leave the tabernacle and, and drift off and go and live in Mesopotamia? No. A broken covenant is a broken covenant, and God turns around and says, hey, we need a new one. But that does not mean that my initial Torah, don't kill, don't, don't uh, lie, don't commit adultery, don't steal, they're all still valid. They're all still the ideal. They're all still what God would like you to do. So you try and do that, but you I, but just I, none of that is, is imputed righteousness. You already know right from the beginning, none of this actually makes me righteous. But I know I have a relationship with God and I know what's on his heart because he told me he did this. And he does that. And he likes this. and He likes that. And what so happens why is, is Paul changing. Sorry, go ahead. Paul isn't so changing. Why is You're Paul changing in, in, in this chapter? And he is not. Like, he is talking about the works of the law, not 
No, but neither circumcision or uncircumcision has anything to do with, has any value, only faith expressing itself in love, for example. Right. But that doesn't mean that he would, would not circumcise Jews because he does. Because righteousness is imputed by God. Can, can I just add one little thing? And I think this just proves the point of how contentious this whole topic really is. It is. It's Colossians yeah. 2. Colossians 2.16, let no man therefore judge you in meat or drink or in respect of a holy day or the new moon or the Sabbath, which are shadows of things to come, but the body is of Christ. And I think that's the point. If you want to keep the Sabbath, if the Jews keep the Sabbath, there's an absolute blessing in it. But for those that don't do it or keep every day as a Sabbath because they've entered the rest of Christ, the key is Christ. Mm-hmm. Everything is in Christ, through Christ, because of Christ, mm-hmm. and we walk in faith of him, and we have, we are complete in him. He did it all. So it's his perfection. We are perfect in him. And because we're in him, we are perfect before God. And so I, I absolutely agree. If you want to keep the Sabbath, keep the Sabbath. Absolutely. And I actually agree with Aaron. The word of God is beautiful. And, it, and if you want to keep these laws and the Sabbaths, do it. But if you in your heart don't want to keep them, as long as you're doing it to God. And so that's, that's my view. You're not, you're, not doing, you're not keeping the Sabbath to, to think that that imputes righteousness. Exactly. Which is, which is the issue... That's coming at the Galatians, and it's still around with us today. What happens if we break the covenant today? Yeah. If we don't do anything that God likes, if you think that you're going to stand before him and, and, and be his buddy sitting at his right hand with Yeshua and saying, no, I'm not doing anything that you like. I'm going to do it my way. It's the same thing as the Israelites in the desert. Yep. It's not about salvation. I'm not saying you're going to go to hell, but... You broke the covenant. And so he's going to have to do it again, I reckon. You can't accept the salvation and then do everything that you want to do. And this is spoken of in, in Romans. It's very clear. Yep. It, it I, I agree with way. you, Roddy. Uh, yep. And what it, remember, what is, what is at issue here is we're talking to a group. Let's put it back into context. We've got a, a church of Galatians. These are predominantly Gentiles. There might be a few Jewish people in it, but it's predominantly Gentiles. They have heard the gospel. We do not know exactly which books of the Bible they are reading. But if they are reading a Bible, which one would it be? Torah. Correct. (laughs) They don't have a gospel. They don't have Paul's epistles because he's in the process of actually writing them. There's no such thing as the book of Acts. There's no revelation. There is no New Testament. So, but there is a new covenant. There is a new and covenant. The thing, and the first yep. thing it says is, I make it with the house of Israel, and Correct. I will put my Torah On their within house. your inward parts and yep. cut it into your heart. It's Absolutely. Still there. Thank you, Roddy, because, because still the... There. That's right. The Jewish people, the, the, the Mosaic Covenant is broken. It's been broken so many times. Okay, The temples have been destroyed. We've been carted into, into the Galut. We've had all kinds of horrible kings. We've sacrificed children to Molech. I mean, you name a sin, we, we've done it. But that doesn't mean you throw the Torah away. 
because that's why God comes around and says, no, I've got to make a new covenant. Aaron, sorry. Uh, yes, I agree with that, and I agree. Our new covenant in Christ is what it says is the old covenant is, is, is actually becoming obsolete. Right? No. And now hold on a second. Let me finish. Okay, what it says, and Paul is covering this, and he, and he does say that uh, let no man judge any person whether they want to keep one day or steaming one day higher than another. Right. You know, you, you, you have to make your mind up here because either you're going to sit under the covenant, which, 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 which you're going to sit under the law, or you're going to sit under the covenant of Christ. You can't have both. Right. It's in your heart because our covenant is in Christ, in the yes. faith of Christ. Yeah. So it's not, we can't turn around and say it's my faith. It's the faith of Christ Correct. that came in. And in Christ, we start talking about right. the seventh day. It set the yeah. Sabbath. So I think to, to separate the law and say, I've got to keep the law and I've got to keep Christ, I think you're on shaky ground. No, okay. That's, that's not what I'm saying at all. Guys, the Mosaic covenant is broken. You break right. it all the time. The new covenant is the one that is made with the house of Israel and with everybody. And that's the one that, that, that we should all be in. But that does not mean that the Torah is gone. It's like... Finish. No, we okay. totally agree. Yeah. No, we totally agree with you, Aaron, that the Torah no one, is not No one is trying God. to say God. that, because right, Paul is saying the Torah itself never actually imputed righteousness. But that does not mean you can now no longer dishonor your parents. For okay. what? Like, not to be saved? No. But just right. in general, Correct. as a general right. Principle. right. No. So, Sharon, now that you believe in Jesus, can you dishonor your parents? No, that never changes. You're exactly right. Correct. We agree with you 100%. Yes. So I'm, Every yes. We agree with you. Right. But the new, the new covenant is the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant, right? Like I'm a daughter of Abraham now because yes. by faith in Jesus, yes. it's not a, by it's what a, I do. The, exactly. the yeah, covenants don't stop. You have a new one, right? Well, how many is there? There are lots. There's so one well, I agree with David that the Mosaic Covenant now is, uh, yeah, well, Paul says it's specifically. The Mosaic Covenant. It's written was, in our heart now. No, the Torah is written on your hearts, not the Mosaic that, Covenant. I meant the Torah. Sorry, I yeah, meant the, the Torah. But, 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 yes. Aaron, Aaron, we, 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 look, we, the, cover, the, the promise came through Abraham, right? The promise yep. came through Abraham and it follows through because of Melchizedek through Lord Jesus Christ. And even though, uh, even though the, the, the 12 came out of Abraham to form the law, because when the law came, sin revived and I died. So Lord Jesus came through the promise. Right. right. So that's where we're heading to the covenant with Christ. And what I think. Promise and what did it say? The question is, guys, what is the curse of the law? Because that's what we're saved from in verse 13 of this chapter, Aaron, that you brought right. up. Curse is, yes, the amen. curse is if you break Shabbat, you're, 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 you deserve a death penalty. That's the curse. No. The curse is all the curses. Read Deuteronomy. You have the list of the blessings and the list of the curses. Yeah. For how it will go with you here in the land, not for everlasting life. Show me your faith without perks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's also true. Let's go now back into the text. Aaron, sorry, before yes. you continue. So, so can can we go back to what you were saying? 
the law is now in our hearts, which, which is written, right? Correct. What, is that, what does that mean for us? Because well, okay. we, we want so to now, do now we're actually talking about massive things that have got nothing to do with the actual Galatians, but that's fine. Okay. All right. And um, so there are lots of covenants that God makes. Yes. Yes. So he makes an Abrahamic one. He makes one with Pinchas. He makes one with David. He makes Noah. One with Noah. He makes one at uh, Mount Sinai. And the one at Mount Sinai is broken almost instantly. Yes? Yes. Yes. Right. So, that, right. so what does God do with the rest of sacred history? Throw out the Jews? No. Right. He keeps, he keeps working with them. And, and, and they keep breaking it. Yes? Yes. 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 And so, and, and, and they already know that. They already know. My gosh, we have this mosaic. We have a covenant. And we have the Torah, and in the Torah are lots of covenants. Okay? Some of them relate to each other. Some of them do not. And, um, and we keep breaking one, and we know that no one is righteous. We've already got Psalms. We've got prayers. We've got all kinds of blessings. We've got prophecies that God is going to make a new covenant. And now we have the new covenant, and the Torah is on our heart. In Christ. Right. Uh, now, we have, now we finally can get down to it. Yeah. Is Jesus the new covenant? Or is the new covenant, as stated in Jeremiah 31, 31, the new covenant? This is where the problem actually is. But we, we, can, we can only do that new covenant through Christ. Because well, Pete, uh, it, I think it's Peter So what says, if you're, I'm sorry. Pete, sorry, Chef. Peter says, no, go um, ahead. I give you a new covenant, yet it's not, I give you a new commandment, yet it's an old commandment. And the reason I, I believe he's saying that is because it's, it's the same. Everything's the same as what God ordained in the Old Testament per se yeah. under the Torah. But what it is different now, it's new to us because we have the power of the Holy Spirit and the, and the law in our heart that we have power through the Holy Spirit and the love of God to do what he wants us right. to do. And I think that's what is so, being said. So, so maybe, okay. Roddy, I agree with where you're going. Maybe, Roddy, what's happening here is, yes, Jeremiah 33. That is Lord Jesus Christ being put into our hearts because he's the only one who kept the law, right? So through him, we are able to live what was then and what is new. Right. Right on. Okay. So the what if what if the translators really messed it up and the word new is not that concept, but renewed? Well, it's and it's written. one covenant that, that keeps renewed by different people. That's no, a nice it's, concept. It's it's a because there, there's there's no there's no old con there's no old testament, there's no new testament. But even if that's a Christian thing, that's a Christian it becomes, thing. It becomes semantics. It. it becomes semantics. Yeah. I know. Oh bro, I know. it's the, real the, semantics. But 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 it's the, the idea. The, the idea is broken. Nope. The mosaic covenant is broken. It was broken many times. <laughs> now whether you well, say you want to lechadesh, renew. Or Chadesh, new, which is actually what's in Jeremiah, that the Inyan is the same. It's not like the one that keeps getting broken, the mosaic. A new one is, or a renewed one, whichever you want to call it, doesn't matter. The Inyan, the intention, is exactly the same. The Torah is going to become on your heart. The and, terms uh, are the same, but the covenant is new because the other contract got broke. Yes, the terms contract was broken. Yeah. Right. 
So you've got to make a new one, a Brit Hadashah. It has it, to be a new one. It was only broken by one side. Exactly. It's a... God a, never broke it. Correct. God so, yeah, never broke exactly. his side of the bargain. Never. Because God can't do that. If God breaks his own side of the bargain, oh my gosh, we are all in trouble. Right? But he doesn't. And the Jewish people already know. Okay, they got their, their Bible is full of sacred history. They read it every single year. They read about all the times that they broke the covenant. Okay, they get it. And that's why they have in the Psalms that uh, no one is righteous. That's also why they constantly appeal to the grace and mercy of God. Now, that doesn't mean that there are streams of Judaism that are incredibly legalistic. There are. There are some very legalistic people here, very much. And it doesn't mean that there are streams of Christianity that are not legalistic. There are some very legalistic streams of Christianity. What? So what are the terms of this new covenant? Yeshua says, if you love me, keep my instructions. What Paul is those are the terms. Those are the terms. The issue and, and the in terms the early are the same as they've always been. The terms have never Correct. changed. Look, yes. Now let's get back into context for the love of the risen Lord. Okay. At the time of Jesus and Paul and in the new Jewish movement, you had boundary issues between Jews and Gentiles. Yes. What yes. are you talking about by boundary issues, Paul? Okay. Because Paul says so, that we're all one in Christ, that they that's all That's the know point. Him. Sharon, open your ears. That's the point. <laughs> so why do you keep saying it? Okay, because you keep ignoring it. Now, Paul, yes, when, when Peter... <laughs> Nina, I see you laughing your head off. <laughs> yeah, I am. Now, now when Peter in Acts chapter 10, goes in to eat with Cornelius. Why is he, why is he nervous about that? It's all about the, the table fellowship. Yeah, it's because at the time of, of the, the late Second Temple period, Jewish, Jewish people could not eat with Gentiles. They were considered dogs. Jesus had called them that. They were considered sinners. They were outside the law. They didn't have access to the Torah. They were automatically got all kinds of issues. So you couldn't eat with them. You couldn't fellowship with them. Well, that's going to cause a problem in the new Jesus movement. And that's the issue that's at stake for Paul. We are all agreeing with him. But there were some people who were saying, oh, no, we know how you get righteous with God. We've got the Torah. And they were taking it in a very legalistic way. And Paul is saying, what are you kidding? Have you not read your own Torah? I will prove by the very Torah that you're reading that that was never the way to be. And that's what he does right here in Galatians. And he even uses even more examples. Like the first thing he's going to use is, don't you Gentiles know you've been given the Holy Spirit? That like the first five verses of this chapter Paul says, you had the Holy Spirit. You've had miracles. That didn't come from being uh, Jewish. That didn't come from keeping the Sabbath. That didn't come from um, obeying the Torah. You didn't even have the Torah. But you believed in the Messiah, which, by the way, in the Torah, God says he's going to do this to you. And, uh, and then you get it. So believe that. That doesn't mean 
that you set the Torah aside. That doesn't mean that now, because you have the Holy Spirit, thou shalt not honor thy parents. You will. How do you know to honor thy parents? Well, one, you can say, or the Holy Spirit will tell me. But if that's true, stop printing Bibles. No, seriously, stop it. Tell the Bibles aside. Stop printing Bibles. Stop sending tracts out to people. Just get them baptized. The Holy Spirit will do everything. That is not what happens. Aaron, I have a new girlfriend. I kicked Sheila out of the house, but Jesus has got me saved. It's going to be okay for me to come to church on Sunday, right? Uh, no. <laughs> exactly my point. Correct. Just be right. And, and I that's was going to say myself. <laughs> stop it right now, you people. Stop it. Okay. So uh, does Roddy have to keep the same girl, keep his wife to, to be able to be acceptable to God? Look. That's you, the issue. It's not no, whether or not. No, Sharon, it's a different issue. Well, no, you, Paul, what Paul's speaking about in Galatians, I mean. Okay. Paul in Galatians is talking about the works of the law, these boundary issues, these markers that have come up like circumcision, Shabbat, dietary laws, that this is imputes righteousness. We are all, everyone here is agreeing with Paul. We are all actually agreeing with each other. Our problem then is we run to the next level, some of us, who then turn around and say, well, that's it. You know, now we'll throw the whole law out. You said that. No one is saying, no one here is saying the Torah imputes righteousness. No one. Okay. But Let's, Paul did say throw something out. When I read Galatians. No, he he's, didn't. He is talking about the works of the Torah, which, okay. which is what we are all agreeing on. Uh, which is not the Torah. And that's, I think, one of your biggest issues. Okay. So. In the last 15 minutes, because we actually have not yet gotten through one single verse, which de demonstrates once again how important and, and topical this discussion is. The point of this discussion, and for anybody who's listening in um, podcast land, it does demonstrate the big issue that there is here in, um, in you know, 2,000 years ago, the issue that's wrestling with Galatians is still being wrestled with. And, um, and we don't seem to be clear on what Paul means by law or works of the law. And even though I have tried to show that the term works of the law is not the Torah, even though I have tried to show that covenants are not the Torah, the Torah reveals covenants, even though I have tried to demonstrate that even within the Torah, it says that no one is imputed righteousness. Okay. It seems that no matter what I say, some people are just not getting it. Right? Sure. And, but I'm sure there's other people out there in podcast land who are. And that's a good thing. And some here too who are. Okay. So we will hit with verse one. We will at least get through one of these verses. Okay. Just for fun. <laughs> Paul writes, foolish Galatians. This is not an uh, ethnical derogatory term. This is just a, hey, you stupid people, okay? Sometimes you just got to say it that way. Who has bewitched you, which is actually a reference to pagan magic, right? Um, not that he is saying somebody has come along and cast a spell on you, but he is, it's, it's, 
it's the language he is using. We even use it amongst ourselves sometimes. Hey, who cast a spell on you? You know, when uh, you see a pretty girl and you can't seem to take her eyes off you. It's not that she cast magic or anything like that, but it has the implication that um, there is something very dark okay, that is going on with the Galatian community. It was before your eyes that the Jesus the Messiah was publicly portrayed as crucified. Now, what do you think he means by that? He says, it was before your eyes that Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified. What do you think he means by saying that? He explained it to them very thoroughly. Very thoroughly. So Paul would have gone to this community, uh, most likely walked into the synagogues as he did in the book of Acts, and there would have been a mix of Jews and Gentiles, and the Gentiles are God-fearers, but they're still Gentiles, and he publicly portrays Jesus as crucified. And so where would he have done that? How would he have done that? Surely through the scriptures. The right. He, correct. He did it, did it through, oh, my gosh, he did it through the Torah. He physically stood in front of them and he had the word of God right in front of him and he visibly in front of their eyes, okay, expounded the truth that the Messiah was crucified. How he did it, he doesn't exactly say. It's just one sentence. He just says it was before your eyes. He is, he is telling the, the, the Galatians, you actually physically saw me do this, okay? It's not that you physically saw Jesus hanging on a tree. That was in um, Jerusalem. But in a way, I brought that image to you personally. And I did it, he, he probably thinks he did it reasonably quite well. He proved them from the scriptures. He proved them from reason. Um, however he did it, maybe he did miracles, not 100% sure. He doesn't mention any of that, although he mentions that they do miracles. That is, they visibly now know that the Messiah was crucified. Okay? They know that. That's a given now. That's a, there's no, um, we're not 100% sure who the Lamb of God is. We're not sure if God actually exists. None of that's on the table. That's all now off the table. We have got that 100% done. So now he goes, okay, Messiah is crucified. Let me ask you this, okay? This is how you teach. You teach with questions in the Middle East. I've got, I got something to, to ask you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? Not the law, works of the law, right? You don't get the spirit by Torah. You get spirit, he, he was, they were arguing, he argues like, did you get the spirit from being circumcised? Which they're not. Did you get the spirit from uh, keeping Shabbat? Did you get the Holy Spirit from keeping kashrut and not eating pigs? Did you get the spirit by works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Right? I walked into your synagogues. I preached the word. You came to my house. We had some evening Bible studies. And what happened to them? They believed. They believed, yes. And what else happened with them? They did miracles. They were saved. They were yes. saved. They got the Holy Spirit. They were saved. Yeah. They did miracles. They did all those kinds of things. And, and so they, he, Paul is, is appealing to something that's very physical. He's, he's giving it their own experiences. 
He's not quoting. He will quote Bible later. That is true. But the first piece of defense of his argument is the obvious fact that the Galatians have the Holy Spirit. Okay. Through hearing and not doing anything. Well, faith is faithfulness. Okay. So yeah, belief, yeah, belief is not Gnosticism. It's not sitting down under a tree going, I believe Jesus is the Messiah. You don't sit by faith. You walk by faith. Mm -hmm. Right? Abraham, he believed and it was imputed to him as righteousness. He believed. And oh it's interesting because Mo Moses, when he, at the end, when he wrote Deuteronomy, he says, I know you guys aren't going to, um, you're not, I'm going to give you, you know, uh, I'm going to give you the law. And I still know that you're not, you're, you're not going to fulfill it. He's in, in, it's very interesting because in Genesis, he says, he says, um, when he, at, at Sinai in, in Exodus 19, the Lord said to Moses, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear, hear when I speak with you. And they may also believe you forever. That's always been God's will is that we believe in yeah. who he is in conception. Right. And it, and, and belief is an action. Abraham mm -hmm. actually physically left Haran. He mm -hmm. didn't stay, sit under a tree and believe. Okay. Like, and let's also remember, because this is what Paul's point is. God imputes righteousness onto Abraham. Abraham doesn't take it for himself. He doesn't earn the title by, by believing. He doesn't earn the title by walking. He doesn't earn the title by sacrificing his son on a, on a, on a mountain. Doesn't matter. He still does those things, but the righteousness is still imputed by God. And that's actually going to be true for all of us. Yes? Right. It's, not got, it's not about... I did 10 prayers, you only did eight. Okay, it's got nothing to do with that. It's got the fact that God imputed the righteousness onto him. And so these, these Gentiles, right, or the, or the Galatians, they have been in the synagogue before Paul, which means they had access to the Bible. Okay? They had access to all kinds of rules. But guess what they didn't do while they were in the synagogue? It's circumcised. Correct. Thank you. They didn't get circumcised, right? But something's happening now. So within a synagogue, they are not being forced to be circumcised. Somehow that issue has cropped up in the believing community. Now, isn't that interesting? And so Paul comes along and he says, guys, you weren't even circumcised and you had the Holy Spirit. By the way, Peter saw that in Acts chapter 10 anyway, but for me, it was you guys. And it had nothing to do with these other things. So are you so foolish? Okay, again, he chides them with a little bit of a uh, uh, thing. doesn't mean he hates them. doesn't mean he, he's, he thinks that they're terrible or anything, but he does mean that they're being a little, a little dumb. Having begun by the Spirit... So they've got the Holy Spirit. They haven't lost the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit hasn't departed from them. These guys are probably doing several things. If you have the Holy Spirit, what are you probably doing in your life? You probably have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You probably have the signs of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say that here. I mean, he does in places like Galatians and uh, sorry, in Corinthians and stuff like that. He doesn't mention it here, but one would assume that it's, if it's the same spirit, same things are going on. Okay. 
Okay, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected in the flesh? You didn't. You weren't even doing that when you were in the synagogue. You know, before I even showed up. Did and then it's in verse four. Did you suffer so many things in vain? Now, the 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 text Galatians doesn't list all the persecutions that occurred. We have no idea what persecutions were actually coming their way. We don't know where they came from. They may have come internally within themselves. They may have come from the synagogue that they might have left. They may have come from the Romans who were ruling in the area. We're not a hundred percent sure, but there was some sort of persecution vis-a-vis suffering, which they were aware of, and that Paul was aware of too. And he writes it: "Did you suffer so many things in vain? Okay, if indeed it was in vain." Does he who supplies the spirit, obviously God, and works miracles among you, okay, so they, they are doing miracles by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith, just as Abraham believed God, Genesis 15, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Okay? And this is the where, where Paul begins to actually quote Torah, right, which is law. And he's and and he's so he's already said it wasn't by works of the law, but hey, I'll quote the law. Okay, he's quoting uh, the the a piece of the narrative part, which everybody should have known, including them, if they were in a synagogue, if they have access to the Hebrew Bible or Septuagint Greek, because it'll be Paul's actually going to quote Septuagint Greek later, and we'll see some of the differences that are in uh, if we ever get to it, um, the differences between the Hebrew. Uh, version and the Greek version, God imputes the righteousness to Abraham because, right, he believed. But his belief, okay, obviously included an action and somehow he kept Torah, whatever that means, even before there was the Torah, Genesis 26, 5, very bizarre. No one understands exactly what that means, but he did it. That's why people ask me, Aaron, can you keep the Torah? I say, yeah, the same way Abraham did. Okay? And you're like, well, how did he do it? I don't know. But God seems to think that you can. Okay? And, uh, but the righteousness does not come in any way, size, shape, or form from uh, an action. It comes from God. God imputes the righteousness, which is exactly also what you see in Psalm 43. But something, someone has come to these Galatians and they were not getting this when they were in a synagogue. They're getting it outside in the new Jesus movement. And that's an interesting thing to think about. So when we come to uh, chapter 6 is where he actually starts talking about people chopping off bits of their bodies. Um, we can begin to try and figure out who are these agitators? Who are the people that have bewitched the Galatians? Now, remember, we're not in Antioch. That's Acts chapter 2. That's an issue that Paul has with Peter. He deals with it. He gets it done. And he gets Barnabas done as well and everybody else. He uses that as an example here. And here he brings up a very powerful bit. Guys, you've got the Holy Spirit. You all know you got it. You all know you can do miracles. And by the way, you weren't doing it when you was in the synagogue. Right? You're doing it now. right? And uh, so why is it now 
that you're trying to do something that even the synagogue wasn't telling you to do. Right? So we'll leave it there. Right? Something is telling these Galatians to do something that even the synagogue is not telling Gentiles to do. Thank you for listening. Our sermons and Bible studies are on all your favorite podcasting platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Sermons can also be found on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook for alerts on live streams. If you are blessed by these teachings, please prayerfully consider giving toward the work of Christchurch. Visit ChristchurchJerusalem.org. Blessings from the City of the Great King.